This is Raw Cut. This is Life Bursts. I'm Matt. And I'm Sarah. We're bringing your stories to life. Welcome to Life Burst. We are so excited that you could join us here in our new format and our new studio. Yes, a big hello if you're listening to us on hillsradio.com.au, where you can still listen to us there, but you can also listen to us now in this new format, as Matt mentioned, on a podcast, uh, wherever you get your podcasts from. And we're also a podcast video, so you can now watch us as well while we have these conversations on YouTube. So thanks for joining us, whichever way you are listening to us. So today we're going to be talking to Matt and exploring your life story a little bit more because Mm. that's what we do here at Life Burst. We share people's stories from the beginning of their life to where they are now and everything in between. So I suppose that iconic question that we always start with, Matt, is where did life start out for you? Well, uh, my life started out in Adelaide and uh, my dad was a bank manager so uh, we moved lived in the suburbs for a little bit down the south uh, around near the beach Uh, but it wasn't long before we moved again and we moved house Uh, dad was transferred to renmark in the riverland uh, where i spent a few years in um, kindergarten and then we moved back to our house in adelaide and uh, uh, many years after that uh, my life was just a rolling set of moves of houses and towns uh, following the family about country south australia and the northern territory uh, so uh, in fact uh, right about now if i moved house right now we'd be on average moving houses every two and a half years of my life so uh, yeah got around a little bit Yeah, lots of adventures and stories, I'm sure, which we'll delve into. I'm curious, were there other siblings around you at the same time? Yeah, I'm the eldest of three. So, uh, yeah, kept them in line as we went along. (laughs) Lots of fun times. (laughs) Uh, So share with us some stories from the beginning of your life. Like what's the earliest memory that you have? Uh, Well, one one of the earliest memories was my grandparents used to run a... Um, uh, it's still down in, in Victor Harbour. A, 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 a it's it's a campsite, but it's it's a, a like a castle, a dare campsite. Some <gasps> people will be familiar with that. Yeah. And so they were caretakers there, so I got to stay with them in the castle, which was very exciting, and uh, even got to to go up to the turret, the lookout. Um, but having gone back there in recent years, I'm sure it was bigger back then. <laughs> it's shrunk over the years. Yes. Uh, so lots of adventures being able to, to go and, and be a part of that as well. Um, but moving around, we got to, to meet new friends. Oh, no, I don't, I don't, do I don't, I don't want to move on from that right oh, now, okay? Because okay? yeah. I'm sure that there are little kids that have seen that castle as mm. they're driving in or out of Victor Harbour and have wondered what it's actually like on the inside. What is it actually like on the inside? Yeah, well, you can still stay there as, okay. a, as a, a campsite, but it's, uh, yeah, in, inside it's uh, has a, we used to have a big pool table, I remember, which you had to put money in, so I'd always just try to... Um, get the balls out without the money. Um, I got to go back into the kitchen and see the workings back there and meet the chefs at the time. And uh, yeah, it was it was fun exploring all the rooms. And uh, I remember at one point they had to change over all the mattresses. And so in uh, the area where my grandparents lived, they had all the mattresses stacked up and it was just the most amazing maze that I could set up uh, in the back room <laughs> as a little kid. Uh, yeah, good fun. 
I was just imagining you're going to say something like you just like covered a whole room full of mattresses and oh, just, like, they were already there. Them. Yeah, no, no, the maze that was the fun. Okay, yeah. did you like fashion to the side of the maze and knock everything? No. Yeah, well, yeah. Oh, we had all sorts. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure you would have. Every kid's dream to have a room full of mattresses. Absolutely. To bounce around on. Okay, now we can continue. Now you've talked about the castle. Uh, yeah. So moved around a bit. So moving around a bit, and that was uh, was. As, as a kid, an adventure, every new place you got to go. I remember dad coming home saying we're moving again and kind of a sense of excitement for those first few moves because, uh, yeah, where are we going to go? What's it going to be like? New house. Uh, but the, the tough side of that was you had to start to make friends all over again. You had to uh, spend time reinventing yourself and uh and it was it was lonely some of those moves because uh yeah you didn't necessarily make friends right away some places we were only in for 18 months and then we moved on again uh so uh yeah what could you what 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 would you say to kids who are possibly in that situation right now that they've just gone to a a new school or maybe they have moved around a lot what advice would you give to them uh, stick at it. Just be yourself. I think is is the advice I'd give. Um, it was it was fun in those early years, but when I became a teenager, I think you've got all those things of your identity and your friendships. They start to become a bit more real, and that's where it got harder. Um, so for me, I uh, just I think I built resilience, having to um, yeah, just to be myself, but. Uh, unfortunately in some of those places there were bullies there were kids who um, for whatever reason didn't like me uh, even though I didn't retaliate I was fairly passive really but uh, yeah through that found eventually found some good friends in each of those places who would gather around um, and uh, hopefully you can too uh, if you're going through those situations Uh, but each move I think I, I wouldn't be who I am now if it wasn't for having to start again in all those places and grow through it and some people like the idea of having to go somewhere new and reinvent themselves and possibly they might see like they can be another person if they do something like that but what you're saying is don't try and be somebody that you're not just be yourself and you'll find friends no matter where you are or what you're doing. Yeah, I think so. And for me, at one the teenage uh, year move in particular, uh, where I moved from a country town in South Australia up to a school in the Northern Territory, which was a big school, and uh, suddenly uh, kids my age were doing things that uh, were illegal and things that were um, yeah, smoking and things that were... Uh, I hadn't experienced it my past school. So there was definitely pressure to fit in and mm-hmm. to do what they were doing and to uh, go to the parties and things that they were starting to have. Uh, and that clashed with my values, but it was a real tear to say, well, but I've got to fit in. Um, so I really had to, um, yeah, stand my ground. And fortunately, I found uh, another set of friends who... Uh, weren't really into those things and uh, so I didn't have to compromise what I thought was right or um, to um, and I'm glad for that Um, yeah that's that stopped me from taking a trajectory which could have been pretty bad and high school is full of lots of different types of people and different groups of people and if you just be yourself 
ultimately from what you have shared, you do get to find those people that you are like and that respect you and that care about you and have the same values and beliefs. So that must have been such a relief, but also a hard battle by the sounds of it in the beginning of having all those pressures to do all those things. Yeah, some of those moves in particular. Um, and yeah, even little things like... Uh, you know, not of the drugs and alcohol, but even, you know, my, my family, we nobody swore in my family. It was not something that was encouraged, but I found myself, you know, in those times starting to swear. And I actually had one friend pull me up on that and say, hey, you know, why, why are you, he, he could see that I wasn't, you know, I was just trying to fit in. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, fortunately around that time as well, I, um, I grew up going to church. Mm. I grew up um, looking at the church as, um, just being dragged along and um, all the little country towns we went to. To be honest, church was pretty boring. (laughs) Uh, It was, uh, you know, well, nice people, but not a lot of kids my age. Uh, But around those years as well, I uh, found a group of friends who uh, went to church and they seemed to um, really believe what they believed and they were fun and they were passionate about it. And so for me, uh, that, that was a group that I started to, be interested in because they were genuine and caring and fun um, and for me that sort of clicked um, this is this is something that I'd like to get to know a bit more of myself you know all this um, all these things that were I considered boring maybe there's something to it yeah. we are chatting with Matt and exploring more of his story here on Life First with Sarah and Matt <laughs> Hey, did you know this show is available in video too? You can find it at rawcut.com.au. So Matt, I think a lot of people could resonate with what you're saying, that church is boring. How did you get over that boredom factor of church? Yeah, I think it really helped having that group of friends because they... uh, like. We we had a Bible sitting at home, and I never read it. Um, my family were say were Christians, but I'd never read it, never shown interest in it. But mm-hmm. um, that this group were kind of new stuff. They knew parts of the Bible. I thought, oh, hang on, I I've written this off as boring. I don't want to go. I'm dragged along, but I haven't actually really looked into it myself. So I found myself, you know, sneaking to read the Bible at home and stuff, which. Uh, which seems odd, but um, yeah, I think that that helped change things. And then that group of young people also were expressing their faith in in ways that were relevant to teenagers. Music was um, more music that I enjoyed listening to; those type of things. So uh, yeah, it was it was good to spend time with them. But the but the real thing that changed for me was going on a camp okay. with that group of young people. And at the camp, there was uh, someone speaking there who. Uh, we just shared a little bit about how he understood everything God's done for us, that God's good, that God loves us, that God's forgiven us for anything we've done. Um, and he used some pretty powerful images in that. And, and it made sense to me suddenly at that point, uh, like it hadn't before, it clicked. And so I, I can't remember really what I did, but at some point I sort of thought, this is for me um, and this is going to change. And I remember praying at the end of that camp. Um, he challenged us to, if we do believe this stuff, not to just uh, keep it silent. Or he used the image of being a submarine Christian who kind of 
goes under the surface and then pops back up on Sundays, <laughs> does all the right things and then goes back under. But to actually live out the good things that you believe. Yeah. Um, so I prayed at that time and I can't really explain it, but I definitely felt a, a real um, sense of something changed inside me at that camp, something that I went away from there completely different, um, completely my view of even going to school changed because I could see, um, regardless of what friends I had or I didn't have, I could get alongside the kids at school who were had no friends. I could sort of seek them out and and make them feel like life was worth living just uh, just in simple ways. So I was only in year nine uh, at school, but yeah. uh, my whole perspective on life changed from that that camp. I didn't have a particular moment like that, for example, uh, but at uh, high school, I was also one of those people uh, that got alongside people and just talked with them who didn't have friends or who, or who were just sitting there or who were upset or being bullied or you could see that they were a little bit lost. And it is really special and important to, to do something like that. But that also takes a lot of courage to do something like that as well. So well done for getting alongside other people. Yeah, I think having experienced it myself, I was able to take that and say, well, uh, I know what it's like and now I want to make a difference. Um, so, uh, yeah, I can, instead of even complaining about going to school and all those things, that all changed. I can, I look forward to, I could get up in the morning going, all right, what difference can I make today? Uh, so, yeah, big change. It's a ch- change of perspective. Not everyone will have the experience that I had, but we can all wake up with that perspective um, in everything we do every day. So graduating and everything, did you have any sense of what you were going to do when you were older? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I wasn't really sure. I um, So we moved to Darwin yeah. uh, in the Northern Territory and I spent some time there volunteering in radio. Uh, actually, back... Uh, before that, from year, year seven, actually, I got into community radio. Uh, so I love that. I love that we could play music. I love that we could uh, have a chance to just speak to people in their homes and encourage them uh, a little bit alongside my experience as well. Um, so I continued that in Darwin, um, volunteering every weekend as I went through school. I got a part-time job. Um, but as I finished school, I had no idea. I think lots of people were in that boat too. No idea what what was next? Um, looking through the lists of university, you know, what do I become? I had an inkling that maybe being a teacher was something that I'd like to do, mm-hmm. um, but wasn't really sure. So I ended up taking two years after school just as uh, to work and get my head around things. I spent a, lot, a fair bit of time in a community radio station um, in all sorts of areas in the background, helping yeah. it to run, uh, which was great. Tell us about this story that you have shared before, but tell us about your first ever radio show that you did. Oh, yeah, back in year seven. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so there was somebody uh, in the town that had a show and they were finishing up um, and they put a note in the newsletter to say, anyone want to take on this shift? Uh, So for some reason in year seven at school, I said, yeah, I'll give it a go. And for some reason they let me. Um, (laughs) By yourself? Uh, well, I could have been. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I was yeah. initially. Yeah. So a um, little bit of training. First show, came on board, um, finished the first song, did the first announcement break, played the next song. So, yeah, that was all right. And got a phone call. 
and it was uh, my parents at home and said, what happened? And uh, I hadn't put the microphone on. Uh, so Aww. there was like probably a two minutes of amazing, amazing stuff. I'm sure it was yeah, great. Yeah, I'm sure it was. But mm-hmm. uh, nothing <laughs> went to air. I turned the microphone on, but I hadn't turned the fader up. So Aww. there you go. There's a lesson. And listening back to some, I do have some of those shows recorded on cassette. Uh, of, uh, we tended to do that back then. Yeah. And it was it was pretty bad. Um, pretty bad. So You were like 12, 13? Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. You're allowed to be bad back then. The number of times we ejected the CD before it was finished playing or, you know, pressed the wrong thing or just went dead air. Uh, Anyway, that's community radio and that's what we love about it. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) (laughs) But you got to start somewhere. Yeah, okay. So you were in Darwin doing radio, working part-time, figuring out what life was going to look like for you. Did you figure it out? When did you figure it out? Yeah, well, in the midst of all of that, uh, after after a year out of school, um, this young lady moved up to Darwin from Adelaide. Mm-hmm. She'd finished school down here and she moved up to, uh, to Darwin to work with her parents in a backpackers hostel that they ran. Uh, so she started uni there and I um, got to know her a bit um, and we got engaged Yay. that year. Um, and by the end of that year, we got married. So in the in the midst of all of that, um, it sort of felt like it was time to uh, move from Darwin, to move out of home. Cue picture of Matt and his wife getting married. Yes, yes. <laughs> it's a beautiful picture of your wife. She looks absolutely stunning. And so she does. she's like 18 in that photo as well. She was, yes, yeah. she was pretty young. I was yeah. still pretty young too. Um, but uh, around that time, I felt like... This that that thing that happened on camp, this want, desire to make a difference, mm. and all that that I shared, uh, was how can I best live that out? And um, I'd like I said, grown up with churches that were boring, but I discovered how good the message was. Okay. But I was watching all of my peers drift away from church, mm. um, somehow just not connecting with the good stuff that I'd experienced, and I got that. So uh, I thought I thought, well, maybe maybe I can be a part of helping churches to um, live out what they believe and express that in a way that um, people get because it's, it's, it's good. It's um, a big task for yeah. a young person to try and... Because it's a problem that's still happening today that yeah. young people are still moving away yeah. from the church building its, itself. Yeah, it's huge. And I mean, there's no easy solutions, but I thought, well, okay, at least I can start studying something in that direction. Okay. Um, so my wife was also looking at, um, she was studying in Darwin, but, uh, was looking to transfer back to Adelaide and her parents were actually looking to pack things up as well. So, uh, as it turns out, we all moved down to Adelaide at the end of that year. We got, Beck and I got married and then we all started study the following year, um, as uh, and I started studying training to become a, a minister, um, although I wasn't quite sure where that would end. Bachelor of Theology, I took on. I was going to ask what that was that mm. you were studying. Yeah. Yes, I am talking to Matt and going a little bit further into his journey so far here on Life Burst with Sarah and Matt. Raw Cut is also on social media. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter with the handle Raw Cut AU. So you've moved down to Adelaide now. What was Darwin like? 
I love living up in the Northern Territory. Uh, the Yay. first the first place we lived was um, was Nullumboy or Gove up on uh, oh. northeast Arnhem Land. Yes. So that's where I um, had those camp experiences, and that was just amazing. I got to do the Duke of Edinburgh Awards when I was. Uh, at there, um, I don't think I completed it, but we got to do some expeditions, uh, which was really out in the bush. Like it's, it's, um, there's not many people up there. Um, it's a mining town. There's some Aboriginal communities, but uh, yeah, we really were out in the outback, and so we did a few expeditions, which was just fantastic across scrubland into waterholes. Uh, one one spot we stopped one night. Uh, we all sort of it was hot. I mean, the Northern Territory gets hot. Yeah. Um, we jumped in the in the lake. It was nearly night time, and then as we uh, sort of oh, looked yeah. in the rocks just near oh, us, no. <laughs> it was one of those kind of rocks with kind of holes and things in it, sort yeah. of porous rock, and uh, yeah, along the side of the the bank, and there was a. It must have been a massive brown snake, but you could just see one of its coils. Uh, it had, it had gone to sleep for the night in this rock, which was warm. Um, so we just saw that and thought, all right, let's let's get out of the water now and <laughs> go back out to the... Uh, no crocodiles. Um, we They kept us inland, so it was supposedly safe. But, yeah, those are the kind of things that we loved, wow. particularly there. Uh, you could go driving on beaches and there was no one there, water holes, things. Yeah, it was great. But Darwin, Darwin was good too. Um, but, yeah, you having having lived up there and moved back... Um, I think even locals, you, you kind of acclimatise, but the the humidity in the wet season over the summer months is is huge. So uh, you go out and hang washing on the line or do something where with no effort and you'd be dripping with sweat. Uh, and um, some people just live in the air conditioning, so never acclimatise at all. I was fortunate that we had a house where it was upstairs was air conditioned, but I was downstairs. So I had to, <laughs> I had to acclimatize. Your fan on full. Sometimes I slept on the tiles at night because it was the coolest place. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. So love lots of things, but some things I don't miss, like the heat and the like, humidity. And what about the locals that are still up there that you met? Uh, how did they acclimatize to this? heat and crocodiles and humidity and yeah how do they stay up there for so long yeah well i think once there were some people who had been up there since cyclone tracy and they Mm, so they'd stuck it out they refused to put air conditioners in so there's some tried and true long-term locals um there's probably less and less of them now but darwin's a very transient place so there's a lot of my friends don't live in darwin anymore they've gone to uni all around Australia, and then now work scattered all over the place as well. And that tends to be what life's like up there. It's quite easy to get jobs because, uh, well, can be, um, because people don't stick around. Um, they miss home, don't cope with the heat, or various reasons. So, yeah, it's an interesting spot in that sense. Also very multicultural, which was really good. Growing up with all kinds of cultures around me really um yeah, it was a good experience. Now let's go, now you're in Adelaide. Yeah. How did you switch to that? Knowing that you travelled lots of different places before in your life, how did you fit in with Adelaide more full-time than before? Yeah, uh, well, well, I was newly married, so that was that was great. So it was a whole new adventure. 
Um, so exciting. We found a, a unit to uh, to rent and started uni and uni life and got part-time jobs and uh, yeah, just uh, enjoyed life as young adults. Uh, I volunteered as a youth leader at my church in Darwin. So we went to uh, another church that was a bit bigger down here and thought we'll just won't get involved but within a month we were very involved uh, with a with a fairly big group of young people and uh, really loved that uh, so we've yeah found pr- plenty of things to do in our spare time we didn't have a lot of spare time um, but uh, it sounds like God was really much a part of your lives yeah I think that's um, well and that's my story and and that's why I've shared that experience of, of earlier how I came to where I am but uh, yeah I again wanted to make a difference and saw that the way I could do that was uh, just helping young people in particular at that time um, and helping them through the church because I'd been there I understood understood, uh, what they were going through and and for every teenager you go through so many issues forming your identity Uh, so yeah it was really good to be a part of a lot of people's lives during that time so being at it like at, at the church that you were at it was a lot bigger it was a big yeah how did you adapt to that as being a person that was saw that you needed to bring change into the church for young people to stay at church and now you're at this massive church what was that like it was a bit different because we made ourselves involved in um yeah with the group of young people there which there were couple of hundred young people coming to a Friday night at the church we went to so uh, yeah it was it, it was a different kind of church to the ones I've grown up at. And how do you answer people's questions when they don't like God or they don't want God in their lives how do you deal with that? Yeah I, I think I get where people are coming from I mean the, it takes faith to believe in something you can't see and uh, I think the church has a lot to answer for in the the way that uh, you know the wrongdoings of the past mm-hmm. and even the present that often make the media. There's uh, people's objections are often um, that Christians are so or too legalistic, or too many rules, and focused on those things, or too um, hypocritical, like they say one thing but they don't live it out themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you go back to what Jesus was on about, you actually see that Jesus was had a big problem with people who were legalistic and hypocritical too. Um, he had a lot to say about the religious people of his day who were in those things, um, and Jesus showed a better way. Um, so for me, uh, the things that Jesus said, the things that he did, they, they happened in history. I, I believe that. Historians will agree that. Um, so if he is who he says he is, and he's about what he says he's about, and we're willing to take notice, then um, for me there's a lot in that, and there's a lot in that for everyone. Um, he says he came to give life and life in its fullness, and that's for every person, um, not to take life away or make life hard. Um, life's not easy. Um, it doesn't mean that life's going to be rosy, but, uh, yeah, I think for every person uh, there's life in its fullness, and, uh, if, yeah, God's God's the one who made us. He knows how we tick, and that's what he wants for us. He's for us, not against us. So how do you know that God loves you in particular? Just you, not not everyone else, because he loves everyone. <laughs> we know that. You've shared that. 
But how do you know that God loves you in particular? Uh, I, I believe that he I just got to believe what he says. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got this gift of I mean, Jesus lived 2000 years ago, but the stories were written down so we can go back and, and read that and understand that. Um, we can choose not to believe it. Uh, and plenty of people do. Mm-hmm. But uh, for me, I trust those things are true. And I guess my experience of people who believe the same thing, my experience of um, learning and trusting uh, along the way, trusting God, praying, those kind of things have confirmed to me um, that God is real and that he loves me and that uh, my want to make a difference actually is making a difference in people's lives. Yeah. So if there are people, young people in particular, that are listening to this right now who are really resonating with what you said before about the church is boring and they don't really want to go or that they don't believe in this God thing, like what would you say to those young people who are on the edge of that? Yeah. Oh, look, um, I get it. <laughs> and uh, there's plenty of churches that are, are still um, having trouble expressing the the good stuff in a way that is relevant to to um, people today for all the complexity of the world. Um, but go back to the source, which is is Jesus, is the Bible, and uh, find some people who can unpack that with you and uh, help you understand what it means. Because yeah, again, Jesus is actually for the things that most people are for: love and peace and um, and he's against the things that most people have a problem with. So um, I think a lot of people, if they really got down to it, don't have a problem with Jesus. They have a problem with the way he's expressed in the church. Um, but that said, um, I believe that it doesn't have to be that way. And uh, churches uh, in different places are expressing and living out what Jesus believed in ways that are making a real positive difference in their communities and amongst people. Um, and Christians are doing the same. So, yeah, don't don't write the baby off with the with the bathwater if you, if that makes sense. That does. Thank you, Matt. Uh, this is Life First with Sarah and Matt, and I'm talking with Matt today, exploring his story a little bit more and going a little bit deeper as well. It's been very exciting so far. If you think more people should listen to this, share this podcast on social media. So what else were you getting up to? You're volunteering, studying, uh, working part-time, and your wife is doing the same thing. What else were you getting up to? Uh, Well, we did get some pets around that stage. Okay. We were living uh, at a a unit and the landlord said no pets because it was pretty small. Okay. Um, But my wife had had pet rats growing up. And so she (laughs) said, uh, if we kept these rats in like a cage aquarium and they didn't come out, Uh is that okay? And somehow he said yes. So our first pets as a a married couple were rats. Uh, Well, actually one rat. One rat. Um, Okay. But we called the rat sassy because we can. Um, Why not? But we didn't have the rat long before we thought we were overfeeding it because it was getting pretty fat. Oh, no. (laughs) And then the next 
the next day after we noticed that it was getting pretty fat, it uh, wasn't so fat anymore, but it had 10 little rat, <laughs> rat babies in the cage, which uh, if you've ever seen them, they're these just tiny little jelly beans, uh, no fur, just, uh, yeah, no eye, eyes not open. And so I was like, oh, what do we do? It's uh, how do we deal with like baby rats in the house? Um, I know how some people would deal with them, but no, these were our pets. So, <laughs> uh, so we Googled, what do you do? And uh, just said, let the mum look after and look after the mum. And so uh, for the first little while, first few weeks there, months even, we just had 11 rats in uh, most of the time they stayed in the aquarium. And then I do have a few photos where they came out and all around the place. Um, but we eventually, the pet shop was happy to buy them back, well, trade them back for a, a pack of rat food. And so we kept one of the babies and the mum. Uh, yeah, so that was our adventure of our first pets. Uh, what was the baby's name? Do you remember? Oh, well, they all had, because there were 10 of them, yeah. they all had sort of slightly different patterns. And this one had a pattern that looked a little bit like a sailboat. So it became sailboat. Yeah. So we had all sorts. That's very cute. <laughs> so sassy and sailboat. Besides the fact that it's a rat, that's very, that's a yeah, really cute Yeah, I name. wasn't so keen, but uh, anyway, that was our, that was our first pet. Okay. So like, what other pets did you have after that? Well, we, that rats one. don't tend to last that many years, okay. so we we did replace those those rats, and then uh, then as we moved, we eventually got a dog, which was a beautiful uh, Pomeranian. No, mm-hmm. a what was it? Mm-hmm. A Papillon. Papillon. A Papillon. Okay. Uh, which uh, yeah, very placid dog, but unfortunately, it didn't. Uh, it ran across the road and didn't get to the other side. So we uh, lost that one. Um, And so we've we've had dogs since. We currently have a bit of a zoo at home. Okay. Uh, What's in your zoo? Yeah, well, look, fast-forwarding the story. Yes, true, okay. We now have kids, so um, we've got another dog. Okay, one. Uh, We've got a pet. Yeah, we do have another rat. Okay, didn't go away from the rat. And any extraordinary stories there to do with the rats? Uh, no, they haven't been around very long. Okay, um, nothing yet. But we've now got a bearded dragon. A bearded dragon, okay, that's three. Yeah, three we're on for keeping count. got a rabbit, okay. which is my daughter's. Four. And a, a bird, a green-cheeked conya, which is a uh, yeah, friendly little critter. Um, I think that's all. Yeah, I think so too. I think that's all that you've <laughs> ever mentioned to me. But we've got four Five. kids, so they uh, have kind of one each. That's how the, the zoo has grown. Okay. Um, what's your pet then? Well, the dog is kind of everyone's pet, yeah. So Dogs no. make themselves comfortable wherever they are. It's just what they do. Okay. So mm. you and your wife don't particularly have one favourite pet no, out of all No, I was them? happy with the – yeah, but just we seem to grow. The deal is that the kids look after their own pets, but – doesn't quite work that way in practice. <laughs> Can't you bring the kids in to get their side of we the will, story now? Yeah. Yes, to make sure. Okay. Right, so you've, you've had some nice pets along the way with some funny stories. <laughs> yeah, yep. Yeah. And, yep, yeah, everyone with pets knows you lose some along the way as well. So, yes. yeah. What about growing up? Did you have any pets, even though you moved around a lot? Uh, well, apart from the occasional goldfish, we only uh, – one 
farming town we lived in, we had a bigger backyard, so we managed to get some pet ducks. Cool. And a little um, little chickens as well. Um, silky bantams. Silky bantams, yes. The fluffy ones? Fluffy. Oh, I wanted them. So they were our pets there. Cute. They roamed around the yard. But apart from that, no, we didn't really get pets because we moved so much. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to have to ask because there's probably kids listening. Did they all have names? Do you remember their names? Yeah, we had Brandy and Snap were the ducks. Okay. And the chickens were black and white, so they were Pepsi and Sprite. So we just... <laughs> That's great. They were the... Yeah. Crazy. That's awesome. Good times. I like that. <laughs> yes, just naming after the colour of them. Yeah. Okay, well, we seem to fast forward now. Uh, so uh, you were at uni, you studied. Did you finish study? Yeah, so I... Uh, got a job as a youth pastor at a church and what year was this oh this was i don't know what year it was in the 2000s or 90s yeah we're in the 2000s 2000s. yeah so um got a job yeah so i looked after a group of young people at a church uh, got paid to do it as part-time while i was studying as well so that was a really good experience but Mm -hmm. uh, my studies came to an end and it came to the point uh, during that process i've just really clarified that what I believe God was calling me to do was to be a minister and to be in the Uniting Church as a minister, uh, not just for young people, but for all ages. Um, so that's a priest um, ordained. So my How did you know that? How did you know uh, that? It was a bit of a process because I'd been looking out for young people at the time okay. and I loved doing that, but I recognised that it was, uh, you know, there's all, all people are valuable. So, you know, um, people at the end of life, people at the beginning, uh, and I was getting older too, yeah, still young, but um, yeah. Uh, and, and a part of it too was uh, just growing up and seeing people leave the church uh, that to shape the whole church in a positive way could be something that I could contribute. So uh, yeah, that was a long process of meeting. It wasn't just me who decided that and they said, yep, but there was committees and others involved in uh, it's, it's a process. Most churches have that process to make sure that you're really clear on your calling before you go into that kind of thing. Um, and then, uh, as we came to the end of study, uh, we're pretty well weren't sure where we'd end up. Would we, we uh, have okay. to move to the country, be in the city? And uh, there was an opportunity to have a conversation with the church over on the Air Peninsula. Uh, in the town called Cummins. So you were ordained or whatever. What what what, what is that called before all this opportunity? Yeah. So uh, to be, yeah. So the way it worked for me is that okay. we were sent out, and then after a year or so, we were officially oh, ordained. Okay. Um, Cue the picture of you being ordained. Yes, that's it. So that <laughs> happened a year or so after. But yes. Yeah, so we we uh, at that point we're about to have our first child. So oh, we're kind of not keen to go far into the country but as it turns out uh, after we had a conversation with this church uh, which was actually three four churches in a in an area over there on the air peninsula we um, got to we just thought this is this is great this is right for us Um, and we ended up over there in 2009 we ended up moving everything with our three-month-old baby to the air peninsula into a farming community uh, where I looked after three churches, which was four at the beginning, across a wide area. Got to have lots of rides on tractors and headers. 
uh, got to meet people. There was sort of five different sports teams represented across the the churches and communities that I uh, visited. Um, so it was it was really good. There were a lot of young families around at the time, also having children, young farmers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we fitted in really well. But it was also big to get head around being leading churches in different communities, being a new family. Um, and so we were there a few years. We had two more children over there. So, um, but uh, as much as we loved it, we were kind of uh, open to moving back a little closer to Adelaide and where our family was. I met chatting with Matt here on Life vs. Sarah and Matt, sharing a little bit more about his story here on Life vs. with Sarah and Matt. In Australia, juvenile arthritis affects 1 in 1,000 children. It's a silent yet common condition. Kids Arthritis is here to help support these children and their families. To help them, go to kidsarthritis.org. This has been a Raw Cut Community Service Announcement. So you're over there looking after four churches, which then became three. That What does that even look like to somebody who has never done that before? Yeah, it was a little bit to get your head around because okay. um, every community is unique. Even the two communities, uh, the major ones, Locke and Cummins, uh, were quite different. You wouldn't, wouldn't, couldn't talk to the farmers and compare how much uh, yeah, the, the quantity of of harvest um, per paddock kind of thing mm-hmm. it's um, it varied because of the rainfall and the the area so uh, there was that to get your head around um, in the church I um, set up a, an arrangement so that I would sometimes do two on one Sunday and one the other um, some weeks that was all over the shop um, and then there are other weeks there are other things on as well so uh, it was it was a it was a unique experience, um, but really country people, uh, um, really down to earth, really friendly, really genuine. Um, I guess what uh, life in the suburbs was probably like 50 years ago um, in some, you know, in the good ways that um, there's still some uh, some wholesome values that uh, perhaps is, slips away in some places uh, closer to the city. But uh, yeah, so we love, love that and uh, the way people, their hospitality, and uh, we were really welcomed and embraced, uh, particularly as someone straight out of college and learning as you go along. Yeah, that's lovely. And this is the part of the story where we now end up somewhat here. Yes. Yes. So I, the first time I ever heard about you, Matt, was I was at Ichungi Uniting Church and the previous minister and his family had to leave after the church service because we were going to be talking about this new and exciting minister and his family that were going to be coming and this big projector screen up at the front of the church and had listed all of these different things about you. We'd never met you, we'd never seen a picture of you, but there were all these exciting things and one of them was that he had been in radio. Mm. And pretty much everybody in that church turned to me and said that we'd be doing something together. And how about that? Almost six years, seven years, is that right? Mm. Later, we're doing something in radio together and something a lot bigger now. 
than that. So it was very exciting when he came to Ichunga. Everybody was very excited. Uh, how did that come about? And how did you as a family feel moving back to Adelaide again? Yeah, well, we're really um, excited when the conversation came up with the church at Ichunga that it wasn't in the city. It was still kind of countryish town. Okay. Yeah, we love that country aspect, um, but also that it was close to where our family were, uh, were closer. Um, and so, yeah, we we had that. Um, we had a conversation went really well. So we thought this is again this is where we need to be and where we need to go. So we moved to Achunga, um, and uh, again got to know a whole new community, um, the community of the church, the community around it. And uh, again, we had three kids by then, um, and another was soon on the way. Yes. Uh, so got to know yourself and, and uh, others around. Um, really, yeah, another great kind of countryish community in a different kind of way. Yes, it was very exciting. And I must say, cue the photo of Matt being welcomed. Is that the right word? Yeah, into that the was church? seven years ago or so. Seven so. years mm. ago. It is a while. Yes. But you've had another kid since then. And I, I do remember we went to, you went to the meeting of, of Hills Radio after your child had been born on the scene. Is that right? You tell the story. It's your story, yeah, not mine. Yeah. So Hills Radio was sort of just getting off the ground back when around the time he was born. And uh, so snuck out of the hospital. Hills Radio had a bit of a meeting. <laughs> Uh, well, there was I think there was pizza, so that was an incentive. So got to, got to come out and, and meet people there. But but that was really good because I had, while when we moved back to Adelaide, I was able to get involved in a community radio station for a little bit. When we moved to the Air Peninsula, there wasn't anything around for me to be in, involved in that as a hobby. So uh, when Hills Radio opened up in uh, Mount Barker in the hills, I thought this is a great opportunity to... To do something again, it's community um, and uh, it's a unique skill set of something to have experience growing up uh, that I could jump into. And Sarah, you had those skills too. So yes, we, uh, we right. came up with this idea of a show. Yeah. It took us a while. Let's it call did. it Life Bursts. <laughs> yeah, it didn't just happen like that. We had to write it down on pieces of paper and we were like, I think we got life first and then the burst was hard at the end. Like we thought, I thought life burst, like the burst part was really lame, but you really liked it. Mm-hmm. So then I was like, okay, fine, we'll go with it and we'll see where this rolls. And now it's really popular. So and we're doing this. Here we are. Yeah. Into a new phase. Um, so that was, that was a great journey. And we have had lots of people over a number of years come and share their stories like I'm doing today and uh, that's why we love it um, and for me uh, part of the motivation was that as a as a minister I get to uh, share with people uh, at the end of their life um, and at their funerals looking back at a life and uh, people are constantly amazed at what they hear at a funeral um, so we know people's stories are powerful and that people have done a lot uh, so to be able to share those stories before someone dies mm. um, whether they're young or old is uh, is great uh, you can't argue with a story you can't um, you know people are fascinating so how have you changed as a minister and as a person since moving to Ichunga because you were just a new kid out of college mm-hmm. you know over there and now you're here you know at Adi Chunga, how have you changed? What have you learned? Yeah, well, I've lost a bit more hair and it's gone a bit greyer. Um, but I think that's just a sign um, that we all we all should be growing all the time. We all should be learning from 
uh, our experiences, whether they're mistakes or, or wins. Uh, so I, I would hope to say that I've grown and learned along the way. A um, bit more uh, being young and being a leader is uh, not always easy when you're leading people who are older than you. So being confident in uh, what you are there to do, um, to lead people. Um, and to do that in the church by serving them as well as giving some direction in a positive way. Uh, that's, I guess, something that I've become more confident in as I've got greyer and uh, over the years. <laughs> so, not that much older. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, hopefully we all, um, yeah, we all do grow um, and that I've been able to do that a bit too. And how have you grown deeper and closer with God? Uh, it's been fascinating to, uh, I think, the the church and life should always be done with other people and we can learn from other people and so to have learned from other people's experiences uh, painful ones um, and some miracles along the way um, that's opened my eyes to a whole bunch of areas that uh, I kind of believed in my head but have seen is possible if that makes sense yeah no that works Mm. it's kind of like you're taught something and you feel like it happens to other people. It would never happen to me, but it's actually happened to you. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. So the more we get to know people and we should, um, and listen to them and hear their stories, uh, the more we can grow. I think that's a great encouragement for all of us to, uh, to help understand the things that, uh, you know, where there's differences of belief or even the things you believe that they become real. Mm. Our our final question with the last two minutes of our show, uh, what piece of advice would you like to leave with our listeners today? Yeah, well, apart from, uh, yeah, listen to each other. um, For me, going back to my experience and my story and my calling, I think it's uh, just an encouragement for people to um, not just write off anything um, because it's what you've been told, but seek to understand it. Uh, and particularly when it comes to the Christian faith. Um, there's plenty of people who believe it and still live it out across the world, and there's plenty of, um, of, of bad stuff, but what's at the core of it? Um, don't write it off without looking into it for yourself, um, because for me, in it is life and life in its fullness. So uh, if there's people who believe that, then, yeah, look into it before writing it off. Um, find the good stuff in it um, and live it out. Well, thank you, Matt. Thank you for sharing a burst of your life with us today. It has been fabulous, so thank you. Pleasure. <laughs> it's been good. This is, uh, this is our first program and we'll continue to, uh, to share each other's stories. Next week, Sarah's in the hot seat. Yes. And we get to hear your story of um, growing up with juvenile arthritis, which is a pretty unique condition, and some of your story through that and all the other things you've been doing. So I'm looking forward to hearing a bit more about that next week too. Yeah, this has been Life Burst. You can catch up wherever you get your podcasts from or I jump onto YouTube. This is Life Burst. I'm Sarah. And I'm Matt. Thank you so much for joining us. Life Bursts is hosted by Matthew Karat and Sarah Freeman with production by Reese Jarrett and Kay Hoshra Ozadigan with additional assistance by Brett Freeman. For more episodes of Life Bursts, go to rawcut.com.au. 
This is a Raw Cut production.